0: Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt.
1: I'm Terry Funk, and this is Jackass.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, I wouldn't expect that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm the blue Shaney.
0: <laughs> Welcome to episode 171, November to Remember, he- 1995.
1: If you missed this year's November to Remember,
2: it's a regret you'll never forget.
1: Well, we got a tagline. Yeah, we did. I stepped on you. I got excited to say it. (laughs) I was high on my Terry Funk voice. I wasn't sure if it was going to come out right or not. sure did. (laughs) Oh, it did.
0: (laughs) This is the third annual November to Remember produced by the ECW. It took place on November 18th, 1995 from the ECW Arena, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of one thousand one hundred and fifty people,
1: all the freaks were there. Hey
0: uh huh. With their, they all remember to show up in November. They're pre-Turkey rallies.
1: Right. Just, to, they're only going to be able to fit nine hundred and ninety-nine after Thanksgiving, because yeah. we know these Philly boys can eat. There's really? girls in the in the venue too, but it's
0: it's mostly boys. But we're back in Philly. Yeah, we are. So, what did Shane bring us this week? Well,
2: as we all know, I uh, reached into my big old box of goodies from Philadelphiasnacks.com. I do have to say, on the last episode, I said Keystone Crunch was not made by Asher's Chocolate Company, and I was mistaken. Oh. They are indeed made well, by Asher's. Yeah. Um, hey, I was on a chocolate rush. What can I say? Oh, what a rush. <laughs> exactly. Wrong show. Um, so yeah, as you all know, I sent off for some Philly snacks a couple months ago, got them here just a few weeks back, and we finally get to enjoy them again and again and again. This time, I decided to break away from Asher's for this episode, and we have what they call sea-salted caramel fudge from Pocono Chocolate Company.
0: Ooh, Poconos. That's right.
2: I, I
1: always hear Poconos. I think maybe it's from watching Seinfeld. I don't know where the Poconos are.
2: I hear, I remember it from Friends because that's where Paolo went. He wanted to take Rachel to the Poconos. Okay. Poke a nose. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it says on the bottom of the little package here our fudge is made with only the finest ingredients and then cooked in small batches
0: over an open flame for a taste that is unequaled. It's a mountain region in the northeastern of Pennsylvania.
1: Uh-huh, okay, so it's just a, a nice little wooded area that is close enough How to be a getaway that. for your... Uh... It means creek
2: between two hills. Okay, Poconos. Creek between two hills. i remember that. It's like karaoke's Japanese for empty orchestra. Is it? That's what I learned on How I Met Your Mother anyway. I, I so. did not know that. TV teaches me stuff. Whether it's true or false, I at least learned it.
1: I mean, as much as... Uh, James Corden likes karaoke, and the United States loves karaoke. Nobody quite loves
2: karaoke the way the Japanese do. It's true. I used to. I used to be up there, but I haven't done it in a while. I need to.
1: Never karaoke in my life. Get back in. What? Not really much. I can't sing. I guess that's not the point.
0: No, it's not. I know that's not the <laughs> point. I Me, mean, it's fun if you can sing to get up it's, there. It's funny. it's funny. Even more fun. It's funny when get somebody yeah, and then get up there and. Sing badly. Definitely
1: got drunk enough. I need to yeah. pick
2: a song. Basically, is what
0: I think. We need to that pick. is what you need to do. I feel like at
2: one point I, in my head I had one. Might I suggest some uh, Rob Zombie or White Zombie? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I'd want something like I don't know.
2: Maybe I mean
1: maybe borderline. I do love Madonna. Madonna. Hey, all of you all out right. there,
0: send Michael some suggestions <laughs> so on our Twitter. You I've heard his voice. <laughs> you heard his voice. Do what you you think he borderline say? as Terry Funk. <laughs>
1: Oh, God. <laughs> they would pull the mic if on so, you.
0: If they had the Terry Funk song.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. That'd be. Uh, uh, yeah. What? It's
0: Terry! Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Everybody look it up. I forgot about that song.
2: Maybe Raspberry Beret? Can't go wrong with Prince. I kind of want a poppier song. Maybe not Rugby. Some Oasis?
1: <laughs> no, I can't do Oasis. <laughs>
2: But yeah, back to our sea-salted caramel fudge here from, yes, back to yes. what's important from Pocono here. Chocolate Company. The story on the website, Pocono Chocolate Company. Hopefully I'm saying it right. If I'm not, I apologize, Albert. Pocono Chocolate Company is the result of a lifelong dream of our founder, Albert Martino, to create a unique confectionery experience for generations to come. You are cordially invited to taste the new mountain tradition. Albert is who I spoke with when I was trying to figure out hey what's going on where's my package and he's like oh stuff's on back order I apologize it even
0: sends a knife with the fudge it does uh, that that's it cute need ingenious oh, yeah, I yeah get a, a cute old plastic yeah, we'll, we'll do a knife. little
2: picture while I'm talking into a microphone because usually I take
0: a picture of our stuff it smells good I can, like as soon as he took the lid off I was like it
2: uh, or
1: hold on loosely or maybe caught up in you because uh, 38 Special wrote two incredible songs and I love both of them there
2: you go. All right, the unboxing of the sea-salted caramel fudge with the knife. Woo. It's got it's like a swirl of caramel on there. It looks nice and fudgy. I don't see any salt crystals, but hopefully that just means they're mixed in nicely with the
1: caramel. 4,000 calorie uh, or lunchable is what that I might looks like. might be catching little reflections <laughs> of
2: them speckled into the caramel there, reflecting the light. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe they
1: mixed it into the <clears throat> caramel.
2: But I feel good. more special now that... I even spoke with Albert before I received this stuff, not realizing that he was sending me some of the stuff that he's responsible for creating. Yeah, Albert uh, Martino.
1: Yeah, Italian Albert.
2: I'm not going to guess because who knows. (laughs) knows? What are the chances he spent an evening at the 2300 Arena? It's very possible. He asked me to tag him in these things when oh, really? uh, when we get to the episode. So now That's that I cool. know specifically that I'm eating a product that he's responsible for creating, I definitely have to. Otherwise, I'm gonna be a dick. So
1: yeah. fudge. Fudge is a hard thing to do because it's either like grainy and too sweet, or it's really good and too sweet.
0: That is a perfect mix. of fudge and caramel. Neither are too rich.
1: Very salty in a good way. And the
0: salt definitely does come through. It is mixed in there very nicely. Oh, shit, yeah. I haven't had fudge in forever. That might be one of the best pieces of fudge I've ever had.
1: They they meant it when they said salt, and it is, I'd say, very salty, but not in a bad way, but in a way that makes you want to take a sip of your drink.
0: And go back for a second piece. Yeah,
2: it's not overwhelming, but you're not searching for it either. It's just, like Matt said, it's that perfect blend of...
0: It's incorporated
2: correctly. Sweet, chocolate, bitter, salty, creamy. Yeah, it's. Shut up, Shane. Just take another bite. It is very, very sweet, but it's not. Some, like I said,
1: some fudge does the grainy thing. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. oh, you just you just rushed this or something. I don't know. I've never made fudge.
2: Yep. They either rushed it or they cooled it too quickly or yeah. Something or your like aunt that. made
1: it and she's not really very good at <laughs> <making> fudge. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Luckily, my aunt was, so my aunt and used to make all kinds of sweet treats back in
0: the day. Well, mm-hmm. something that would happen right around the same time as November to Remember. The American President and Goldeneye would both premiere in the theater this next week.
1: What mm-hmm. is the American President?
0: Harrison Ford, right? No, it's Michael Douglas and. Oh, yeah, Annette Michael Benning. Douglas. Duh.
1: Oh, I love Annette Benning. I mean, I love Michael Douglas, too. Is it. Like Michael Douglas, horny Michael Douglas?
0: No, it's, I mean, it's a, like, a, a, rom-com a rom com. Oh. I don't know if it's, it's not much of a comedy. It's more of a.
1: But, like, if it was, it would be comedy if it was up for an award kind of thing where it's like, oh, where it's, it has to but it's not, the not categories. like, it's not like a, oh. stri,
2: it's not a straight up rom com. Let's see. As my friend Alex would say, what does Imdibus say?
0: American President. What type of movie I are mean, you?
2: Uh, Goldeneye. Might be. I wanna say it was in the comedy section when I worked at Blockbuster, but
0: I mean it says it's a comedy on the it, it I feel it's like a more of a drama, but it's the romance between Michael Douglas and Annette Benning. Basically, Michael Douglas the president and goddamn part meets Annette Benning who's a lobbyist and they
2: Yes fall Hit in love. Off. He's a widowed U.S. president running for re-election and an environmental lobbyist fall in love.
1: Well, when he said to marry president, about, I was like, well, he's got to be married, but it's like, oh, he's widowed. So
2: it's like, oh, Above makes board, sense. That's why I was thinking it was politics is perception and sparks fly
0: anyway. Yeah. Like Martin Sheen plays uh, his Assi- or assistant, his vice president, maybe? I don't know. I thought it was his opponent, but it's not. But it's a Rob Reiner film. Oh, uh, okay. Well, so, that kind of, written, so that kind of gives you the tone. of so
2: director it, Rob Reiner, written by Aaron Sorkin. It's written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, as well.
1: I, that's why it's not "When Harry Met Sally" too. It's uh, "The American President." Michael because J. I, Aaron Sorkin was like, "Well, I need him to talk
0: through hallways." It, it feels very Capra-esque, almost.
2: Okay, like I remember. The only Capra movie I've seen is you've the most got famous Richard Dreyfus is in it.
0: Michael J. Fox is there. Mm-hmm. David Paymer. Richard Dreyfus plays, plays the the. Bad guy, like the the scheming uh, political John, rival, yeah, yeah. John Mahoney's in it. I was thinking it was Martin Sheen that played the rival because it would have been funny. Because, like, obviously, you know, he does West Wing at one point. Was does... Martin Sheen and West Wing,
1: not Martin Sheen. You said Martin Sheen, yeah. Martin Sheen, when you said Martin Sheen, I was hearing Martin Short and I was like, Martin Short does not sound like he should be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love Martin Sheen, but I really have only Seen Apocalypse Now about 100 times, and then Badlands. That's my Martin Sheen knowledge for the most part. Well, you need to watch some Grace and Frankie, then, don't you? Oh, is he on that? Mm -hmm. West West Wing. I know people love West Wing. Telling
0: you, West Wing is yeah, good stuff. Great.
1: Uh, You know what is also great? Goldeneye. Goldeneye is maybe my is. I'm not a Bond guy. Matt's a Bond guy. I'm more the Bond guy. Yes. Goldeneye might be my favorite Bond movie. It and I was, don't even like the video game very much, because I lost all the time and I
0: didn't own a sixty-four. It did lead to probably one of the best first-person shooters that ever came out, because or people, like
1: a, a it was a one of the most important. Yes, because uh, okay, if well, you go so back and play it,
0: important. it's impossible to play. <laughs> yeah, but the movie itself, like they had Martin Campbell come in and basically reboot Bond, because Timothy Dalton was out. This was the first Pierce Brosnan.
1: Pierce Brosnan is such a perfect-looking Bond. And, yeah, see, so is. so damn handsome. You ever seen before he got his teeth
2: fixed? Was that like before Remington Steel or?
1: Yeah, just Google it real quick, but
2: <laughs> it's funny. What Pierce Brosnan original teeth? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but uh
1: yeah, continue, Matt, with the Bond knowledge.
0: But like the Brosnans leaned more into the gadget stuff, Which is so why I probably liked it more. It's not like my it favorite, but. It definitely is one of the better one of the better ones. It's like the, I,
1: it's like the best Brosman one, right? Because from yeah, there, it's, it's all diminishing returns. The best where they just get like goofier, and people are they people get pretty cold on his films. He made the least amount, right? Outside of
0: no Dalton. Well, I mean, Dalton made the least the, amount of the official of the ones that did more than one movie. More than one, yeah. Movie does because, uh, Secret Service is that it, yeah. Her Majesty's Secret Service. That was. What's his face this is the only one. Yeah, I Which can't remember his name right now. Before is an James underrated anything. film. I'm gonna, I am gonna, I would fight someone over our, on Our Majesty's Secret. I've Service. heard it's great. I, I seen really it. liked it. And I wish he could come back. But you can definitely tell while watching on Our Majesty's He doesn't Majesty's give a shit series, about being bombed. Like halfway through the film, you can okay. tell that he. Big difference. Quits giving a shit about the movie and that he doesn't want to be there. And actually, I think that's what makes it a better film.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah cuz he has like real bond energy. Yeah. <laughs> like what you know where it's like, "Oh, I he's mean, not trying they, to be cool." He's he not trying to be he's,
0: con- con- he's not trying to be Connery anymore basically. Yeah. And yeah. he just tries to be, you know, his own his own thing. He's not too cool for school. He's like
1: kind of like over it.
0: Cuz then they like tried to reboot basically again with Roger Moore and like the first Roger Moore movie, he doesn't drink in a martini and he smokes a pipe instead of a cigarette. Yeah. So it, like they try and change the character a little bit to make the make Give it him, seem a little bit different from Sean Connery. But and also like, Moore may have wanted to be like,
1: way. oh well, I want my Bond to have like a different feel. Uh, yeah, or just yeah. A di- like a different like tells that you know might live on. But it's like no, you just it's the martini. Shake it not stirred, you smoke
2: cigarettes, uh you bang the bad lady. I've only ever watched one Bond movie and it's Roger Moore. Due to a kill. It's not a battle. Hmm. Yeah. I mean you got Duran Duran on the soundtrack, Christopher Walken. I usually, oh, tell, Durand Durand. Walken. I usually tell
0: people if they are like if they ask me what should I watch to get into Bond? And I'm like, Well do you want more serious or do you want more outrageous fun? Most want more outrageous fun.
1: Yeah, I remember talking about this a few years and ago. And I will
0: usually either give them a later Roger Moore or Goldeneye. That's usually the best ones to kind of get into the fun of it. If you want more of a film, you got to go with Early Connery or the Daniel Craig's.
1: I like the late, my is you only die twice or whatever, where, you, where it's really ridiculous. That might be my secondary one just because it's crazy. Because when... What I want is basically, like, a l- Austin Powers without jokes is kind of what I want from Bond.
2: The- <laughs> I mean, that's what you get with Roger Moore a lot. Right? Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. All right. I so, mean, I only saw the one, but... It's, right, that was the feel? Kind of. I mean, from what I remember, it's been a long time since I watched it, but, I mean, it was just...
1: I mean, there's only 26 of them. It was...
2: <laughs> you can get through them in a couple of days. <laughs> it's one of those that was, like, ultimate 80s movie yeah I could that sounds great
1: I might yeah, have to check like, that one out you said Duran Duran takes Durant, place in a desert like, and I great. think
2: that's where it was anyways yeah. and yeah you got Grace Jones at the height of her this sounds up androgynous ways this sounds pretty great yeah and then yeah Duran Duran yeah. you to a kill I've, wrong. Yeah,
1: I've been thinking about re-watching GoldenEye for a while maybe maybe I'll have to do that
2: this weekend I think if I started watching I'd have to watch the Daniel Craig ones first just because yeah I don't know if I could start all the way back there with Connery I mean, you don't want to.
1: You can pick through them; it doesn't really matter. I, no. The Craig ones are the only
0: ones that like keep continuity. Matter if you watch them in order. The rest of them, you can watch in any order. Like, it's kind like, of like Godzilla I, movies, where it's like I, I just tell, watch one. I tell people to skip around. Yeah. So that way, they don't ever get bored with one style of but that's movie or another. I don't. I can't do that. That's difficult. For no, me. you can with <laughs> Bond. You
1: can with Bond, and you can with Godzilla. And, I, but I, in the most series you can't I literally
2: can't even with Godzilla. Uh, I mean. Next week,
0: 2019. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about November to remember. We probably yeah.
1: should. I've actually seen that. We've got a clip art intro.
0: That's right, with showing the date and location before the title of the show. Joey Styles then welcomes us before hyping up the matches we will see tonight. Rain, psychosis. We go straight to our first match: Don E. Allen versus the Broad Street Bully.
1: Weren't they just like tagging? I mean, yeah,
0: but you know, they're always yeah, kicking off this I damn know. show.
1: These guys are like the uh, the uh, the Johnny B. Bad of ECW, except for <laughs> that they don't have the swag or or they don't just don't they just don't got it. Yeah. You don't got it like that.
0: Bring back J.T. Smith. Donnie, be bad. I like J.T. Smith. <laughs> so we have a new ring announcer in ECW. It's Joel Gertner. Oh. Ah. Uh, Which is a name we will see for quite some time in okay. ECW. Does he become the staple announcer for ECW? He becomes more than that. He becomes uh, a manager at times. Okay. This is our first time that at least I remember seeing him. So Joel I Gertner. Just, I just wanted to point him out. Not but he does turn over the mic to our special ring announcer for this match, B-b-b-b- Bubba Ray Dudley. Damn right. Bubba comes down wearing a coat, top hat, and bow tie over his overalls and tie-dye shirt, along with the rest of the Dudley brothers.
2: And see, watching him come out with that, I looked at the his little coat, and all I could think was, he shops at the same place as JYD.
0: <laughs> Bubba Ray welcomes everyone to the show. Goes to rip off Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to... So Big Dick smacks him upside the head. And he tries again. Uh, But he uh, still can't get it out. So he just yells, fuck this. Clocks and power bombs Alan. The bully attacks him from behind. Only for Bubba to just flip him off his back and power bomb him as well. For a pin... And, and a win.
1: win. <laughs> big, big old question mark? Yep. I mean, poor Don Eve. He went from four ninety nine to five
0: hundred three, dollars 03
2: Quick, quick, questions.
0: <laughs> Gertner announces Dudley as the winner, so... I mean, we know where we are. Sure, why not? Post-match, Bubba Ray apologizes for his actions to his brothers. The big dick just keeps smacking him with his crutches anyway. That uh, line,
2: a couple lines up here, it just like broke my brain because you've got Bully and Bubba in the same sentence, and my brain was trying to merge them well, together. Oh, yeah. Because you've got Bubba Ray and Bully Ray.
1: Bully Ray, Bubba 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 Bubba
2: for a long,
1: long time. Oh, I know.
2: But yeah. We're not tired of him yet. Brain hurt.
0: That's Dangerously is that in the ring, asking the crew to dim the lights. Ooh, Romantic. And when they turn back on, Sabu is in the ring. Ah. Paul shakes his hand and hugs him, showing that there's no hard feelings as the crowd chants his name.
1: We promised a November
0: to remember. We cut back and forth between Joey being excited and dangerously in the ring with the crowd continuing to chant.
1: They're chanting Sabu, they're chanting thank you, they're pumped, their boy's back. And they're not mad at him for leaving.
0: I I remember when he left, and they were not very happy then either. Well, they're sure happy he's back, I guess. (laughs) So we go to our second match. Jason, the sexiest man on Earth, versus Conan. I
1: know. uh, I saw him come out, and I was like, is that Conan? It is Conan, because he's got uh, some goofy gear. Maybe it was uh, Reject Max Moon gear.
2: He's got some goofy gear, but once that gear comes off, it's just, like, swole.
1: It's so funny how cut and, like, huge Conan was and then whenever we think of Conan we think of him in like I mean I always think of him in like later WCW where he's just kind of like always
0: like a bull's jersey.
1: Yeah he's kind of like uh like Kevin Sullivan esque body.
0: We haven't seen it's kinda what happens. It's still it's still
1: better and he's a little taller but Conan never looked tall but when he's jacked up he looks he doesn't look like a short guy. No.
0: So we haven't seen Conan since Triple A when worlds collide? A, Episode 134. A show we all say,
1: just go just go
0: watch it now. And Joey is actually in the ring, announcing, with Jason correcting him on his weight as he points at his abs. Uh,
1: I mean, Jason's been, been built. He's no longer the sexiest man
2: in, in the world, though, so... Sorry, buddy. Is it, it Conan? I mean, in the in ring. This match, yeah. Even... <laughs> Jason's got
1: a better face.
2: I don't know. I mean, Conan's got that mask on, so yeah, the rest of them's working. It's all (laughs) a mystery. Mm -hmm.
0: Joey then then introduces the actual sexiest man, our special guest referee, Taz. (sighs) Eh.
1: Conan does go from like (laughs) like chiseled to uh, to Taz
0: to Kevin Sullivan. That's his like (laughs) de-evolution in like bodies. Styles asks the Human Suplex Machine, "Hey." Why are you refereeing? And Taz just responds that it's irrelevant. The ECW won't clear him to wrestle, so he's here to enforce his will. Jason interrupts to insult the human suplex machine, only for Taz to tell him to just keep his fucking hands off of him, before asking if the competitors are ready. They both say yes, and the human suplex machine punches Jason in the face, allowing Conan to hit a splash mountain bomb. With Taz making a quick three count for the pin and, and the woman. win,
1: I can't say I w- wasn't disappointed because I was. I wanted to see Conan. I haven't seen him in so long, and he had such an incredible match on that great show. And it's like, okay,
0: building Taz, brother. Building I know, Taz. I know. We go to our third match: El Puerto Ricano versus Stevie Richards. And you might know El Puerto Requeno better as Babu, who was Tiger Ali Singh's manservant in the WWF. I can't say I do remember that. I mean, Tiger Ali Singh was in the WWF for... uh, Cup of coffee. Yep. Yeah. And that means that Babu was there. Did we even for, watch that? Even a sip. maybe just the cream. Yeah. Did
1: we even watch that? Was he just like a massive Garden? He Square hasn't God gotten or? there yet. Oh, not yet.
0: Yeah. The, yet. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I love Joey Styles. And the crowd thinks Stevie is number one as they all give him
0: the bird, the middle finger. He also makes, as Stevie is making his way out, he comes across a blue haired fan with a t shirt that says Blue Meanie. Who gives him a present. And it's a crop shirt that says Flock of Seagulls. He... I haven't seen Stevie Run yet. I don't know why Flock of Seagulls. I think
1: it's just funny because the joke is like, well, like, what's the lamest thing in 1995? Like, Flock of Seagulls, all these guys are listening to, like, White Zombie and Pantera and shit. Well, I mean, I like Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls is is some
2: shit, man.
0: I'm a new wave boy for sure. Give me some erasure.
2: Yeah. Yes, please.
0: Richards likes it so much that he invites the meanie to join him at ringside. And just because it's the first time we've seen the blue meanie, I have to say that he is a hardcore Hall of Famer.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, you know, yep, BWO, the oddities.
0: That's right, blue meanie will be around for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then along comes a Bradshaw. El Puerto tires of the stalling, so he comes off the top turnbuckle with a crossbody before tossing Stevie into the ring to keep up the attack with a springboard moonsault for a two count. Right off that top rope. El Puerto Ricano heads up top again for a missile dropkick before looking a bit lost. Then he hits a tope suicida out on Domini. El Puerto goes back up top, only for Richards to meet him there to low blow his cojones, dropping him down to the mat.
1: We get a, you fat fuck, chant for the Blue Meanie, of course.
0: Stevie takes control with kicks, multiple power bombs, and a rubber band slam. But instead of covering, he calls the Blue Meanie into the ring, telling him to do a moonsault. Do a moonsault. Meanie's a bit reluctant and ends up missing as El Puerto Requano moves. So Richard kicks Blue Meanie out of the ring allowing Oporto to use the distraction to roll up Stevie for a near fall. Richards then retaliates with a Stevie kick for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, Richards drags Meanie to the back, while Joey asks, what the hell is a Meanie? I don't know. Ask uh, George
1: Harrison? Exactly. I feel like maybe that's more of a Ringo thing. I don't know who wrote that shit. (laughs)
0: It's a reference to the Yellow Submarine yeah, movie. Yeah, mm, terrible song. So it's in the moon,
2: I know. It's a bad song. So is Stevie like finally the dom now in his no. relationship? Okay. Joey is <laughs> scared.
0: Joey is or, for the moon Joey. Stevie is the lackey to Raven, but now Stevie has a lackey in the Blue Meanie. I know, um, and
1: Stevie lost his girlfriend.
2: It's
0: like when I got my dog a dog.
1: Exactly. Mm, oh, God, I have a friend that got a dog a dog. He didn't mean to. But I was like, there's no way you're not keeping that dog. I
2: didn't mean to either. It was just I took my niece's dog, and then my dog got attached to her and two years later when she tried to take her back. Oh, it was like, no, You can't give a dog with somebody can't. for two years and then take it back. It doesn't work that way. Yeah,
0: she's already been claimed by him. No, it's like, no, that's somebody
2: <laughs> else's dog now.
0: We then go to our fourth match, the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus with Jason versus the Pitbulls, number one and number two with Francine. So Saturn and number one start us off trading strikes and slams until the pit bull hits an arm wrench hook kick.
1: The original Mad Dogs of War.
0: Number one with a blind tag before taking Perry down with a drop toe hold while number two flies in off the ropes with an elbow drop for a two count.
1: The eliminators are dog food.
0: An eye rake allows Saturn to make the tag, but number two immediately regains control with a power slam of Cronus. Tries for a second slam, but John floats over and delivers a dragon suplex. The Eliminators with a double headbutt, Perry spin kicks number two out to the apron before nailing him with a springboard clothesline, followed up by Cronus giving Saturn a lift for a moonsault over the ropes out to the floor.
1: I love the wrist control reverse kick. Just a nice, slick move.
0: Well, I was going to say here, I was like, who knew Saturn was the high flyer? I
1: know. I mean, um, I didn't know but that. I yeah. do not
2: remember him being a high flyer. Yeah, and I WCW, does. he did all kinds of good stuff. Really early on? Yeah. yeah. The, the thing that throws me off watching this was, I'm not used to seeing Saturn with long hair. So, yeah. I kept...
1: And the, the difference between like him and Cronus kind of look the same, yeah. except for Cronus is... Taylor. Bigger, b-
2: yeah, bigger, and not as good shape. See, I'm thinking and he's like, the guy that doesn't do much. Saturn and Rick Steiner would make an awesome tag team.
0: Yeah. Back in the ring, John with a body slam and a Cronus Crunch, which is a somersault leg drop, before hitting a back suplex for a two count.
1: I know there's a good big boy tag happening, and someone yells "boring." It's not a chant thing, but one guy yells it, and I want to hit him so bad. I want to hit him right now because I was like this is a tag team match they just a real tag team match just broke out on ECW it's like well worked with big beefy boys
2: yeah I mean you remember the last time they were yelling boring
0: at a match yeah the fucking buttholes (laughs) (laughs) John keeps up the punishment with chokes even Jason gets in on the fun until the pit bulls start to ping pong punch Cronus number two misses a corner splash sending him tumbling over the ropes to the floor cutting his arm in the process.
1: Not a Dusty Rhodes arm cut
0: either. This one's real. Back in the rain, the Eliminators take control with Perry coming off the top rope with an elbow drop before setting number two on the ropes for a Frankensteiner for a near fall. Saturn then knocks number one off the apron with a kick, allowing the Eliminators to double team number two with a lifted faceplant before setting him on the top rope once again. Perry climbs up for a hurricanrana, But number two counters it into a super bomb, making the cover for a two count, while number one and Cronus begin brawling.
1: I love that desperation power bomb. It's like, oh, he's going for a Hurricane Rana, and he's like, nope, I'm just going to grab your thighs and take you to the mat. Slam your ass down. This
0: is good shit. Jason then comes off the top with a leg drop, clipping Saturn as well, so the fans start to heckle him. Number two then makes it to the corner for the hot tag. Number one starts laying out the Eliminators with right hands, goes for a double Naga Knocker only to be poked in the eyes, but comes right back with a double clothesline. Everybody is brawling with Perry clotheslining number two, while number one is held by Jason with Cronus coming for a clothesline, only for number one to avoid knocking the sexiest man on Earth off the apron and into the guardrail, allowing number one to roll up John when Saturn breaks it up. Number two then goes for a vertical suplex, but Saturn floats over and hits a tiger driver for a near fall, as number one breaks that pin up. It's getting hot. Number two lifts Cronus up on his shoulders, with number one hitting a leaping clothesline to take them both over the ropes to the floor. I mean, come on. It's a good old heart heart attack there.
1: I know, I love it. I'm uh, so high on this real tag match.
0: The Pitbulls then team up for a guillotine bomb, which is a vertical suplex powerbomb.
1: You love to see it.
0: Make the cover, but Jason then jumps in the ring to break up the pin. Fucker. Number two press slams the sexiest man on earth, charges into the corner after him, only for Jason to escape to the floor, allowing John to hit a handspring back elbow, all while number one fends off Saturn, trying to get back in the ring. Number two sends Cronus into the corner, following in with a spinning heel kick. That sends number two over the ropes out to the floor, while number one delivers a running clothesline to John.
1: And number two does that kick to the corner. Like, I don't think he meant to go over. I think he maybe it's just ran to Momentum. But he lands on his feet on the floor, too. And I'm like, I love these guys.
0: The pit bulls then team up to hit a super bomb for the pin and the win
1: this was great shit yes it was this very is fun. the kind of like tag team wrestling that i want to see the yeah the bullshit was done right the moves were big this is the pit bulls that i want to see yep. and i'm so glad that the eliminators are here instead of public enemy agreed
0: Post-match, Francine has joined the Pit Bulls in celebration when Jason runs in, grabs her, and kisses her. Number two pulls him off when number one comes in with a chair shot to the sexiest man on earth, all while Francine is spitting in disgust. (laughs) Saturn comes into the ring to hit a drop kick into the chair into number one's face, following up with a chair shot across number two's back. The Eliminators then hit Total elimination on both Pit Bulls, which is a leg sweep wheel kick combo. It looks awesome. Or in current times, it's the high low that we see from Red Dragon. After the eliminators leave, the Pit Bulls are back on their feet, rallying the crowd. And I was like, way to sell that move. Yeah, man. It's the only issue I had with this match.
1: Yeah. Finished the Pitbulls thing, we stopped at the yeah, end of that. That's right, we, that's we, right. we had talked about it like, bad. ah, they wouldn't sell, and I was like, ah, match rock. And then we break.
0: It was a clean break, that's right. So, we head to our fifth match psychosis out to the versus ring. Rey Mysterio Jr. in a Mexican death match.
1: Rudo, I mean, these guys know who he is.
0: So, in this match, you have to pin or submit your opponent. Then that wrestler has to answer a 10 count.
1: Love the announcer
0: doing it in Spanish and then English. Good on you, Joel Gertner. Yep. On well, Gert. So Psychosis charges in with a split-legged splash right as the bell rings, only for Ray to move, followed by a head-scissors takedown, but is then backdropped over the ropes to the apron, with Psychosis then trying for another split-legged splash, which Mysterio avoids again and comes off the top rope with a Dragon Rana. For a pin. I mean, I've never seen a Dragon Rana before in my life, and it was fucking awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Could you explain the Dragon Rana to us?
0: So basically, it's like he starts doing a Hurricarana, but then he goes the opposite direction into basically a victory roll.
1: <laughs> yeah, I called it a reverse sunset because I didn't know what to call it. So I was like, it's kind of close. But it's not a sunset, it's a victory roll, but like that's not with me not knowing what the fuck to call it. I was like, wrote down reverse sunset, I was like, that's the closest I can get with like a few words. So that's why I was asking. Dragon Rana.
0: But Psychosis makes it back to his feet after a five count, followed by Rey taking him out to the floor with a hurricana. Mysterio tries to send Psychosis into the guardrail, which is reversed, but Rey goes to leap onto it, only to slip and fall. Psychosis grabs a chair and throws it at Mysterio before they head back into the ring where Psychosis comes off the top with a missile dropkick followed by a body slam and a moonsault for a pin. Or even. Each got a three count. But that's and not Ray barely makes it back to his feet in time. So Psychosis keeps up the attack with a dropkick, press slam onto a turnbuckle, double axe handle, pop-up face plant, and a pop-up powerbomb. For another pin.
1: And Ray is selling his knee like at the 10 count and stuff, but then he's also getting up and flipping around. So it's like, cool you're selling the knee from the spot on the floor, but you know, just something I noticed.
0: Mysterio is again up at the last second, with psychosis laying it in with more punishment with multiple Oklahoma stampedes, grabs a chair, but he opts to not use it before hitting a tumbleweed for a pin. Psychosis then hits several drop kicks after Ray makes it back to his feet at nine, following it up with a DDT onto a chair. Can we all just say this is great shit already? <laughs> Psychosis then places the chair onto Mysterio before hitting another Moonsault for another pin. Ray. Ray reaches his feet again, so we get more drop kicks, chair shots, and another chair aided moonsault from Psychosis. Only this time, Mysterio is playing possum, so he gets all chair.
1: He pulls that chair up to his knees, which is like, well, you are selling your knee a little bit earlier, uh, but you're sacrificing the knee. Granted, this match is a little too fast for that kind of psychology, but it, at least there's hints of it.
0: Ray delivers a chair shot of his own, followed by a springboard clothesline. Before nailing a crossbody from the apron to take them out into the crowd, Mysterio goes back to the apron and leaps out into the crowd with an, an assai moonsault. Before the two brawl their way to the eagle's nest, using chair shots the entire way, Ray climbs his way to the balcony, coming off with a huracanana onto a chair for a pin. Before going back to the ring, where the count starts with psychosis falling off the edge and not making it back to his feet, (gasps) making Mysterio your winner.
1: I mean, my God. Did you guys see the lady that looked like Kathy and Jimmy just, like, smoking a cigarette in the crowd? No. (laughs) Can't say that again. (laughs) Just saying. It was funny. She was like Kathy and Jimmy in, like, a striped, like, black and white, uh, like, pulling sleeve, and she's just horking a cigarette.
2: (laughs) I mean, it could have been her.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe... Is what she does uh, when she's not shooting Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Great shit. Ray really just takes pin after pin after pin. Has to take them all the way out to the eagle's nest. To get him far enough away.
2: These two, and they're... Bananas-ass bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> they're everything, and it's it amazes me that they continue doing this shit for as long as they did.
1: And a deathmatch with uh, no blood, because while well, they have masks but they still do they still use enough tools to make it a death match, you know earn the title of Deathmatch. And I love we all know Rays a, sh- a little guy, but like psychosis looks gigantic next to him and I can't maybe psychosis is six one I don't know, but
2: he just looks huge, he's got like an extra eight inches of wings oh, yeah horn <laughs> and wigs.
1: Horn and, uh, yeah, and hair, the horse hair attached to his uh, luchador mask.
0: Post-match, Rey is celebrating when Jason enters the ring with a mic. He sings Mysterio's praises and insults Conan, saying that Conan disgraced me tonight. And Jason offers his services as a manager, but Rey rejects him, so the sexiest man on earth begins to threaten Mysterio Calling him a little bitch, Ray attacks with a spinning heel kick, an arm drag, and a karana, which brings the Eliminators out to save Jason. Double-teaming Mysterio with a slingshot power bomb and several leg drops. Uh,
1: eliminator's getting over tonight. Yep, yeah, but we got somebody we want you to meet.
0: Nine-one-one then arrives to make the save. Choke slamming both Eliminators with Ray's help. Mysterio then climbs onto 911's shoulders to continue to celebrate as Jason and the Eliminators scurry to the back.
1: Yeah, they do a little uh, Master Blaster.
0: We head to our sixth match: the Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio with Woman versus the Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, and an ECW World Tag Team Television. And world championship number one contender match.
1: What is this match not? For the world I mean, championship? We, yeah, that's kind of a little one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's just like, damn, all right, we're going to put all our all our uh, eggs in this basket in uh, Two Cold Scorpios uh, bread basket. Everyone's calling him Too Fat Scorpio. I mean, you know, they basically calling him Too Fat Scorpio. Is he standing next to, like, Sandman? Like, 911 was out there earlier. It's like... Scorpio's been been in better shape, but come on.
2: I mean, it's too gold, Scorpio.
0: (laughs) So Joey tells us that Too Cold had faced Rocco on TV with the tag and TV belts on the line. And if Scorpio won, he would get to choose a partner to be champions with. Sandman would help Too Cold win the match, making them the new tag team champions. So... The champions come out first. Hmm. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Also, as mentioned, all the titles are on the line in this match as well, with the added twist that whoever makes the pin will also receive a world title shot later in the evening. Just crazy. So, if that didn't give away who was going to win the match, I don't know what would.
1: <laughs>
2: mm hmm. Yeah, we're going to have Johnny Grunge. I mean, how? Versus. Um, Bubba won a match be. earlier. He wasn't even in, so anything can happen. Good, <laughs> I guess That's good.
0: Points. <laughs> so, Scorpio would challenge Rock to a dance off with everybody busting out some moves, including Sandman doing the Cabbage Patch. I mean,
2: I'm all for a dance off, but too cold. Didn't really do much for dancing. He just like kicked his feet for a second and then stepped back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not a dance. Some jive, bro. I
1: do love uh, that we get Sandman saying kick it and uh, we do cut to Joey. We get a Joey Cabbage Patch. We do yeah. get a
0: Joey Cabbage Patch up in the, until he realizes the camera's on him and he's like, oh, God. Yeah, so go fun. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But Public Enemy starts paying attention to the champs to dance with the crowd allowing 2Cold and Sandman to attack from behind. They begin to double-team grunge, only for him to duck a double clothesline, while Rocco flies in off the top with a double clothesline of his own. Public Enemy then hits several more clotheslines to send Scorpio and Sandman out to the floor, making them regroup as Public Enemy goes back to dancing. Back in the ring, Johnny trades takedowns with Sandman before Hip tossing him out to the floor, followed by Rock with a plancha out onto him, while Too Cold leaps off the top rope with a crossbody onto Grunge. Rocco then comes off the top rope onto Scorpio with a double axe handle, followed by Sandman coming in with a slingshot elbow to Rock. Now everybody grabs chairs and they duel in the ring before it just turns into a brawl. Johnny and Sandman are both thrown to the floor where Too Cold grabs a chair to attack Grunge down the aisleway before grabbing a fan's prosthetic hand (laughs) to use as well. Rocco uses a frying pan and a pumpkin pie before tossing Sandman into the crowd. I mean, it's not a November
1: to remember without a pumpkin pie. Or a prosthetic hand.
0: (laughs) Johnny escapes the hand attack by going low on Scorpio, while Sandman recovers to throw a beverage in the face of Rock before leaping over the guardrail with a drop kick. Grunge with a pump splash onto Too Cold in the ring for a two count, while Sandman gets more pumpkin pie to the face. Thrown into the crowd, and then mustard squirted all over him.
1: What is this? A
0: concession stand brawl? (laughs) Johnny is busted open somehow in the ring, as we finally resort back to some resemblance of an actual tag match.
1: I've got an idea of how he got busted open. How's that? Maybe with pizza razor blade. Oh!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I Thought you were gonna go for the k <laughs> hey
1: blade. No, no no, no, no,
2: no. It's like that must be some like grainy mustard. Mm-hmm. Ancient wrestling secret.
0: Sandman leaps in with a slingshot dropkick on Grunge, but Rocco comes in with a tilt-a-whirl head scissors and a tilt-a-whirl snapmare. Tries for a third tilt-a-whirl move, only to be dropped into a backbreaker. Went to the well one too many times.
2: Tisk tisk
0: tisk. Sandman delivers a slingshot leg drop and a body slam. So Scorpio can hit a slingshot splash for a near fall. Side slam by Too Cold on Rock. Continues with a leg sweep. And the two start running the ropes where Scorpio misses a drop kick. Nobody home. They go back to running the ropes only for Rocco to miss a springboard moonsault. Allowing Too Cold to nail a crescent kick. Scorpio, with a double underhook powerbomb, keeps going for pins, only for Johnny to run in and break them up. A very bloody Johnny. Too Cold goes for a standing moonsault, but Rocco gets his knees up. Makes the crawl, only for Scorpio to hold onto the ankle to keep him from tagging. Sandman then comes in and drops multiple elbows, when Grunge runs in to brawl away. Allowing too cold to hit a rubber band slam on rock. Woman then canes Rocco several times while Sandman hits a plancha out to the floor onto Johnny. Sandman is quickly back body dropped onto a table at ringside while Rocco suplexes Scorpio over the ropes to the floor. Grunge tries for a suplex of the Sandman only to be blocked and reversed, sending Johnny face first through the table. Rocco then attacks the Sandman from behind, setting him on part of the table, before rolling into the ring to somersault Plancha out onto the Sandman.
1: Yeah, and Johnny's just rocking, like, what a mask. <laughs> what a what a crimson mask.
0: Too Cold then shows up with a broom handle to the neck of Grunge, before the champs roll Rocco into the ring, where Rock would hit a huracarana on Sandman for a two count as Scorpio breaks up the pin. Tukol continues to use the broom handle and a corner splash before coming off the top with a moonsault for a near fall. As Johnny breaks it up, Scorpio keeps up the punishment with a spinning wheel kick, goes to make a tag, but takes too long, allowing Rock to make the
1: hot hot tag.
0: tag. Grunge cleans house with right hands, a double noggin knocker which sends Sandman into the ropes. Before holding too cold for Rocco to come in with the drive by. But Scorpio moves, so Johnny is knocked down, with Sandman collapsing on top of Grunge for the pin and And the the win. win. So Sandman is the number one contender for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. He's He's also tag team and tag team champion. Scorpio's still the television and tag team champion as well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh Sandy's still selling his ass kicking, uh, you know. Sorry. And too uh, cold. and yeah, too cold knows him all too well. No three gold for you, buddy. And revives our ailing Sandman with a tall can of beer, a nice uh nice tall cold can of bush.
0: But he commits a party foul by dropping it on the ground.
1: <laughs> Is Sandman gonna turn on him for spilling that delicious I mean, cold it liquid?
2: Be. It'd be like, you know, Stepping on his pack of cigarettes or something.
0: But instead, Sandman just does some more dancing before chugging the rest of the beer and smashing the can on his head.
1: Sandman's not precious with beer.
0: Joey Styles then sends us to a video package where we see footage of Shane Douglas introducing Bill Alfonso and some of his controversial decisions he has made since arriving.
1: Yeah, this is kind of our uh, Alfonso package, kind of like when Sandy lost the belt. Uh, on the last ECW show we watched, you know, we get a little, little little catch up.
0: We would see Todd Gordon confronting Fonzie, but would be attacked. We then see 911 choke slam Alfonso, which would send him over the edge, as he would respond by attacking Gordon, making him bleed. Fonzie would also upset Beulah during an interview, so she attacked him as well, which leads us right into our seventh match, Bill Alfonso. Versus Todd Gordon with Beulah as the special guest referee. When she
1: comes to the ring, Beulah looks great. Pretty lady. But she's in the ring and she like plays with her belly button ring and it grossed me out so much. <laughs> she, just like, she just like flicks it. I don't know. It was just gross to me. <laughs> I, don't, I have no reason for thinking that, but it really bothered me for some reason.
0: Well, I figured the uh, crowd yelling... Show us your tits. Would... Uh,
1: I expect that from these people. I was just as surprised as you guys were when I was like, well, I don't know why that grossed me out. Yeah, it's not a toe. No, it's not a toe. <laughs> That's true. So I don't Fonzie... think against belly buttons either.
0: So Fonzie attacks as soon as Todd is at ringside before turning his attention to Beulah, who just slaps him. Afonso then nails Beulah with a clothesline to knock her out, while Gordon recovers to attack Fonzie. The two men are trading exaggerated punches as the crowd chants Shaw for Todd and shit for Alfonso. Shaw! Gordon shit. then takes the mic, saying that Fonzie is real tough on a woman and real tough from behind. So now let's see what she got. And Alfonso decides to offer a handshake. But Todd just delivers his clothesline to take Fonzie down.
1: He knows better, and this crowd wants blood.
0: Gordon is choking away on Alfonso, who recovers with a low blow before pushing Todd out to the floor. Fonzie then takes the mic and threatens to kick Gordon's ass before following out to the crowd, where Todd uses a cookie sheet, a chair, and a frying pan to bust open Alfonso. Gordon, with right hands all around ringside, throws Fonzie into a chair held by a fan before rolling back into the ring. Todd grabs a large frying pan to use.
1: This isn't one of our little egg pans we typically see. It's
0: a big boy. Only for Alfonso to steal it away, but Gordon just nails a low blow to steal it right back, hitting Fonzie over the head to knock him out. It's a nasty one. Todd goes to make the cover, but Beulah's still out, so Gordon calls for a replacement, with Taz making his way out to the ring. The human suplex machine counts one... Two, but then he grabs Todd, knocks him out, and places Alfonso on top for the pin and And the win. win. Sabu, Sabu, Sabu. Taz grabs a mic and tells them Sabu isn't coming. He then complains that no one called him during his injury. They all cared about Dreamer and Funk and Sabu when they were hurt. Taz even calls out Paul Heyman, he doesn't say dangerously, he calls him by his shoot name, Uh for pretending to care, but the human suplex machine has a family, and he can't provide if he's not working. Taz then says that one man did care, and that was Bill Alfonso, before cursing the fans saying they didn't care about him and Bill. So they don't give a flying fuck about them.
1: Yeah, dude, he says, fuck Taz. No, how about fuck you? I'm like, hell yeah, Taz.
0: (laughs) Some fan in the front row is heckling the human suplex machine. So Taz just dares him to enter the ring. Even laying back on his back in the ring to give him a chance. But the fan just stays put. I wouldn't want to get in the ring with him either.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... uh... It's fun, the fan even takes his uh, shirt off, off, and he says,
0: I'll fuck
1: you up. And I'm like, damn.
2: Brotherly love, man. What's going on, Philly? Can't we all just there's be no, friends? There's no brotherly love in the 2300 <laughs> arena.
0: So all I gotta say yeah, is... Ask all the rotten brothers. Be ready for the whistle.
1: I know, I was like, oh, we don't have one. I mean, it's gonna be brutal to edit. You'll have to to be on the other side of the room to play, (laughs) At least anywhere near as hard as Bill Alfonso does.
0: Our eighth match. Sandman with woman versus Mikey Whipwreck for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And Sandman is making his way out to the ring. When Steve Austin was jumping from behind.
1: I mean, thank God we don't have an eight minute intro.
0: Caning him and nailing a stun gun on the guardrail.
1: Stun gun's and not so rubber band slam.
0: That's right. Austin then mocks the Sandman by drinking his beer. Ah. While the medical staff arrives to stretcher Sandman to the back.
1: I mean, I was like, he pops the beer. It's Austin. People were like, oh, well, I mean, Austin definitely took Sandman's gimmick. and, and And made it his own. But you can't say that he didn't take anything at all from Sandman. Oh,
0: yeah. Steve gets in the ring and grabs a mic, claiming that the clumsy Sandman couldn't make it to the ring, and calls out Mikey, saying he represents Eric Bischoff in this match. Oof. So we get our real eighth match, Steve Austin versus Mikey Whipwreck for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah.
1: Remember remember that November is the... Oh, sorry. Remember that the November... that. This is hard to say. Remember that November
0: is the debut of Steve Austin's son. Steve attacks as the announcements are still being made, brawling out to the floor where Austin drops Whipwreck on the guardrail. Back in the ring, Steve pulls Mikey's shirt over his head, allowing him to punch and choke away, all while mocking Whipwreck. Austin then brings Mikey to the floor to toss him into a guardrail, slapping him before throwing him back in as the crowd starts to chant
1: Oh again. Ew.
0: Steve I mean, answers the crowd <laughs> by nailing a big boot and a leg drop for the pin. And I, no! I mean, Whip kicks out. I mean, how smart
1: for Austin to hear it, immediately do it, and then Mikey kicks out of the thing that Austin Hates the thing all of these guys hate. It is, like, there's no way he planned for them to say Hogan unless they talked to, like, sign guy or hat guy or something. But they yell Hogan, and he's just like, all right, big boot, leg drop, and you think that maybe he's just going to pin him there. But no, this is beautiful.
0: Joey says that those lame-ass moves aren't going to get it done here. (laughs) They're not. Austin then throws Mikey over the ropes, causing him to hit the guardrail again with Steve following out to hit a not-so-rubber-band slam as well. Whipwreck then reverses an Irish whip, sending Austin into the guardrail, leading to the two trading punches.
1: Fuck up, Mikey, fuck up.
0: Back in the ring, Mikey starts attacking the arm, but Steve reverses an Irish whip, catching Whipwreck with a stun gun. No. For the pin, and no, no. Mikey kicks out again. Austin's laying it in with right hands, sending Whipwreck to the ropes and telegraphing a back body drop. So Mikey delivers a sunset flip with a handful of tights for a full-ass shot of Steve for the pin and and the the win. win. Post-match, Austin attacks Whipwreck, throwing him out to the floor so he can pose in the ring before leaving. I
1: mean, fuck yes. Like, but even, Austin <laughs> even does the right thing. He tosses Mikey to the floor after the match, but then raises his arm before Austin just walks to the back, in shame, ashamed, embarrassed, upset, you know. But he still raises gold Mikey Wiprek's arm for getting the better of him, mm-hmm. even though he was being a dickhead. It's like, ah, wild shit. Did you, I mean, I think I was fairly certain... That Austin never wins the ECW belt, and I, but I didn't know he had a match with Mikey Whipper. And even though I probably knew in the back of my mind that Mikey Whipper was going to win, I wasn't any less excited about
2: it. (laughs) See, honestly, I didn't. All these years, I didn't think Austin ever had any matches in ECW. I didn't think you ever hear him talk about is how he went down there and he worked on his promo work.
1: And to say thank you, he let Mikey Whipper pin he doesn't, Steve Austin left fucking WWF because he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I'm definitely not doing that on TV, you know, to he was supposed to take a pin from Brock. He's like, if I'm taking a pin from Brock, I'm definitely not doing it on television. It'll be on pay-per-view. And
2: I think just he would have done out. it on television had they actually built it up because that was what I yeah, remember pissing pro- off was, was, was yeah, there was no the, buildup. It was, it was no build a King of the Ring qualifier match. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, good on him. But even then, shouldn't take it on TV either way.
0: So we go to our ninth match. Hack Myers versus Sabu. Well, hey there, Shaw. Uh, this is a thing you can do. Dangerously's in the ring and says, if you're gonna turn back the clock, he has one fucking word for you. Sabu! <sighs> the homicidal one dives at Myers' legs multiple times to get it started only for Hack to avoid. But he's finally able to take Hack down, working the leg. Sabu, Sabu. Sabu with a snapmare and a springboard leg drop before going to a chin lock, before transitioning into a DDT. The homicidal one grabs a chair and hits another springboard leg drop with that chair across the face of Myers for a two count. Sabu starts to work the arm before delivering a clothesline and a springboard shoulder tackle. Followed by a corner splash. The Homicidal One gets fancy by doing a backflip before trying for something else in the corner. But hack just punches him right in the face before delivering a power slam and driving Sabu down to the mat from the top rope with a knee to the back of the head for a near fall as the Homicidal One gets a boot on the ropes. Did
1: you all hear uh, one fan just yell Alex, (laughs) right?
2: And uh, somebody else boring as well, but, you know. Oh yeah, I forgot they were talking shit about Alex Wright in the uh, Too Cold.
1: Um, oh, did, she, did they? I don't know if I caught that. About his dancing.
2: Oh, the dancing. Yeah. I forgot
1: Alex Wright <laughs> danced, even.
0: Sabu so rolls out to the to regroup, but Myers falls out to continue the punishment momentarily. Back in the ring, the Homicidal One has Hack draped across the middle ropes before coming off the top rope with a leg drop. Myers with some right hands, only for Sabu to leap to his shoulders for a victory roll, but transitions it into a DDT for several two counts. The Homicidal One then flips over a back body drop and nails Hack with a spinning heel kick, sending Myers out to the floor, where Sabu follows out with a Hurakarana onto the concrete. Nasty. Hack is sent into the guardrail before the Homicidal One sets up a chair for an air Sabu. Once they're back in the ring, the Homicidal One climbs the ropes, coming off with another Hura Only for Myers to catch him and drop Sabu with a powerbomb for a near fall. Hack follows that up with a vertical suplex and goes to the top. Only for the Homicidal One to meet him there for a super victory roll for a two count. Sabu goes to the top for a moonsault, but Myers knocks his legs out from under him. Crouching the Homicidal One before using a chair with a fan's jacket on it across (laughs) his back. Hack continues with an apron leg drop, before going up top, where Sabu pulls Myers off, sending him face first into that chair. The Homicidal one then goes for a Huracurana, but Hack catches him and looks to dump him out to the floor. But Sabu counters with the Huracurana over the ropes onto the concrete. The Homicidal One then grabs the timekeeper's table, setting Myers on it before flying out of the ring with an Air Sabu, sending them through the table.
1: Just what they told him not to do in
0: WCW. Back in the ring, the Homicidal One makes a cover for a two-count. So Sabu nails a body slam and an atomic Arabian face buster, which is a chair-assisted flying somersault leg drop, for the pin and, and the, the wind.
2: Win. That's what that fucking move is called, huh? Yep.
0: Okay.
2: The
1: Arabian Face Buster? The Atomic
2: Arabian atomic Face Atomic Arabian Face Buster. Yeah, you gotta yeah. have chair for the Atomic. The Atomic yeah. one. So I've, always, I've seen him do that over the years, but yeah, I didn't realize it had a name. I just thought it was just some <laughs> sloppy floppy thing it's, that he uh, did. Yeah,
1: it's, it's Sabu at his best. It's yep. why he's one of my favorite guys, because Sabu has that what-the-fuck's-gonna-happen energy. Which is not a good or safe thing for wrestling, but it sure is exciting.
0: Yeah. Post match, Sabu tells the ring announcer to give Hack some credit before helping him to his feet and feigns punching him, but instead shakes his hand. I mean, it's funny babyface
1: Sabu. The fans like That's Hack just Myers weird still. And it's just weird that like Hack Myers and Sabu sounds like a bad idea, but I think this is pretty well worked for what it is.
0: It's not bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not. It, it's probably better than you would assume on paper. Yeah. But it's not, definitely. you know, it's not a fucking classic or anything. But it is, It there's an element of surprise in the fact that it makes a little bit of sense.
0: Yeah. We then get our 10th match. Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack and Raven.
1: They've been teasing that Terry Funk's thinking about retiring. Um, He's still doing it. No, I'm kidding. Terry Funk will never wrestle again. Uh, I hope wherever
0: he is in Texas, he's doing well. So there's a story behind this match. Because as a few months earlier, on a show that we didn't get to see, Dreamer, the Pitbulls, and Jack were facing Raven and his crew. When Cactus Jack would turn on Tommy and side with Raven. Oh, Jack. Jack. Jack's reasoning was that he had seen a sign in the crowd that said Cain Dewey, the name of his son, causing him to realize how bloodthirsty ECW fans were. Cactus That's a good Jack would denounce his hardcore ways, refusing to use weapons or high-risk moves. I wish I knew this. To get under the skin of ECW fans even more, Jack would begin to praise WCW and Eric Bischoff, while also becoming a tool in Raven's feud with Dreamer.
1: Beautiful shit.
0: Didn't know that.
1: Wish I would have known that.
0: Tommy would counter by bringing Terry Funk back to ECW to help goad Cactus Jack back to his violent ways.
1: That is a good story that is not told here. Thank you, Matt. You're you're good at uh, this. Watching this on the network... It actually sounds like they're playing a real Alice in Chains song. It might just be, like, the karaoke version or something, because the riff, I was like, damn, are they actually playing an Alice in Chains song?
0: I think they try and get the something close. feeling yeah. of the song, because, yeah. like... I don't remember what like, it was, but I know it was like, that's an Alice in Chains When Mikey Chains comes out, mm-hmm. if you listen to the song, like, once you know that it's Loser, that it's supposed to be, if you listen to it, it's like... I can see. The, okay, the, I, there's I, a beat. They're getting thing. the feeling of that song, yeah, but this one with this, what was like funny. legitimately
1: like a Alice and Chains, like basically a whole Alice in Chains riff. It was pretty funny.
0: So the last time we saw Terry Funk was at Hostile City Showdown '95, episode 149, and like you said, Joey is saying that Funk is contemplating retirement before Terry takes the mic, telling Jack to get his ass out there. As he will remember what he did forever.
1: He even says it wrong forever Cactus Jack I'll remember.
0: It's like how okay <laughs> Cactus Jack has a airbrushed Dungeon of Doom shirt on.
1: What a beautiful t-shirt
0: with styles hoping someone paid for him to
1: wear it there's a I can't shout it out because I don't remember but there's lots of great bootleg merch and there was some bootleg merch recently in the last couple of months that somebody did that was this shirt, and I didn't understand why or how it existed. And in hindsight, fucking genius and awesome. You that I was showing <laughs> my yeah, oh. hilarious. I was showing I'm showing my uh, you know my my lack of knowledge, but I was uh, like I was like when I he came out with that, I was like, oh, I get the reason why they did that because that's cool. Yeah. That's a cool and funny thing to do.
0: Jack then takes the mic and tells Funk to stop wasting his time and come out to the floor. But as soon as Dreamer and Terry leave the ring, Cactus Jack and Raven roll in and continuously prevent them from re-entering momentarily. He
1: sounds old ass. We get a chant, hate the shirt cactus, hate the shirt, which is a really funny chant.
0: Once they do enter, it's Brawl City with everyone throwing hands before heading out to ringside where Funk throws Jack into the crowd before using a chair, and then throws it at Raven's head, who's back inside Mm. the ring with Tommy. Damn. Stevie Richards then arrives with a trash can full of weapons, only for Terry to confiscate them and dump them into the ring. We get speed limit signs to the head of Raven, followed by Funk and Dreamer placing Stevie in a shopping cart and rolling him into the ring post. You guys get my joke now? Post it. I'm... Hi, I'm, I'm Terry Funk.
1: Welcome to That That's <laughs> the reference. Now I get you.
0: <laughs> it was a deep one. Back to brawling inside the ring as Tommy uses a VCR and the remote on Raven, while Terry uses a snow shovel and dustpan on Jack. Funk also uses the dustpan on the ref, before Dreamer hits a DDT on the ref as well. It's like
1: a weird old, like, like 50's metal dustpan too. I was like that's a dustpan I was like I guess that's a dustpan it's Like out so of The Shining
0: Terry yells four after a shot To Raven's nuts With a golf club before Tommy Takes over with a cheese grater To bust him open Matt you had an opportunity to say Raven's eggs I've used that one before Oh have you I apologize Raven with another VCR shot to Funk Before choking him with a toilet seat and turning their attention to Dreamer to nail him with a double-team, chain-assisted clothesline. Cactus Jack starts stabbing at Terry's arm with some object, before everyone heads to ringside to brawl some more. And this
1: FO, he didn't even pull from the ring, he pulled it from his pants.
0: (laughs) Raven is throwing Tommy from guardrail to guardrail, before heading back into the ring. To deliver a DDT,
1: and Raven is busted open. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't blade because that chair shot from the floor. When Terry Funk throws the floor, throws the chair from the floor into the ring, square on his head. I was just like, I could feel it in my bones. I think it's
2: a missed opportunity there with Jack that could have pulled out that golden spike thing that Ming had. Yes, just the full on. Just
1: just hold it up and and yell "Dungeon of Doom." Something like that, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Jack and Raven go for another double team on Dreamer, but this time he's ready for it, just leaping at them to cause them to bump heads, before hitting a DDT on Raven, only for Cactus Jack to nail him with a stop sign. Jack then takes his shirt off to reveal another shirt underneath that has a picture of Eric Bischoff. What does it say? Forgive me, Eric Bischoff.
1: It says, forgive me, Uncle Eric. Oh, forgive me, Uncle Eric. Yeah, Uncle Eric makes it so much... It's like, ah, cactus.
0: Raven is slamming Funk's head on the apron and guardrails while Tommy fights back, pulling Cactus Jack's shirt over his head so he can pummel Eric's face.
1: Yeah, uh, Dreamer's busted open, Raven's busted open. Cactus Jack, right before that, when he pulls the shirt off, he starts doing a... With his arms like it's YMCA, WCW, and like yelling it. Uh,
0: It's so good. Terry slams the shopping cart over Raven's back as Dreamer hits a trash can over the head of Jack. Funk rolls back into the ring, only to be met by a headbutt and a double arm DDT onto a chair from Cactus Jack. Tommy has been kicked out to ringside, so Raven flies over the ropes with a plancha before rolling back in to make a cover on Terry, with Jack making the count, as the official is still out.
1: I oh, know there's a a moment where I believe Jack gets on like the second rope facing like on at the turnbuckle facing the crowd or whatever, and people start chanting Vader, like, because it's like the close it's the position for the Vader bomb or whatever, which is not what he's gonna do, but it's like these are the fucking dweeb ass fans that UCW... <laughs> Has and I love that they're
0: there. A paint can and a crutch are used on Dreamer. When Taz and Bill Alfonso arrive, whoosh, with Cactus Jack making a cover, only for Funk to kick out as Fonzie makes the count. Alfonso and Taz start attacking Terry as well, but Tommy comes into the ring to stop them, trying to talk some sense in them, only to be attacked from behind. Fonzie and the human suplex machine leave the ring while everyone's back to brawling when Dreamer catches Raven with a pair of DDTs and a pile driver, before Funk makes the cover for the pin and, and the win. Post-match, Cactus Jack grabs Tommy, nailing him with a DDT on a chair when Stevie jumps in the ring only to receive a super kick from Dreamer. Jack starts choking Terry with a cable while Raven delivers a DDT to Bobby, then begins to pose even as Funk and Cactus Jack continue to fight in the aisle. And Joey thanks everyone for watching as we fade to black.
1: Don't forget that he puts a crown of thorns on Raven. He puts the uh, barb, wraps the barb around his head while he's just covered in blood. And it is, of course, you know, <laughs> shades of. Think Of things to things to come, <laughs> but, but, you know, like, you know, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll we'll get there when we get there, but... Like, was that the last time we saw it.
2: Funk when he, or... No, he well, him and when wire. him and
1: Dory were
2: wrapped in barbed wire. Was that but, the last time I saw him?
1: Yeah, but the crown... Uh, I don't know if it was the last time, but it was one of the more recent ones. But the Crown of Thorns, there's a uh, crucifixion angle in the future. Yeah. You can bleep it out if, if you don't want spoilers, I guess, but I'm pretty sure everybody knows. They remember that. More than uh, this, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of November to Remember 1995? Great show! I will say
1: that, super impressed, that the last match was the only real garbage match. Like, the only real, like, full force, like, blood and trash cans one. So it's like it wasn't it felt earned when it happened because it didn't happen throughout the rest of the show we had a mexican death match that was no blood tons of high spots and then we had a tag team match that was more of a brawl but it had something on the line we had a tag team match that i think was legitimately fucking great and a probably the most by the books tag team match we've seen in ecw and I ate it up with a fucking spoon and I liked that as much as there was shades of ECW throughout this, it didn't feel like a, every match was a kitchen sink match. It built to this thing where it's like, oh, well, we're, now we're we're going to do a shopping cart spot and we're going to, you know, everyone's going to bleed and we've got... It's like there was definitely stuff used, but this is the one that went, like, full out, which they normally saved for the end. but there was less of it than normal, it felt like. Or they didn't go as far as they typically would in earlier matches with this kind of ring ephemera. Yeah. So that was something that I kind of noticed, where it's like you can't, if you put somebody through a table on the first match and the second match, then it doesn't really matter if you put somebody through a table on the last match. And I like when things build up. If everybody bleeds, then it doesn't matter when the guy in the last match bleeds. It takes away from it and, like, you know, your your middle card match doesn't need the blood or didn't earn the blood or whatever. So, uh... I thought this show was
2: really good. Same? Yeah. Got off to... A weird start with the Donnie and Broadstreet, but it was easily made better with the arrival of Bubba.
1: Donnie and Broadstreet, it's like, they're As, kind of like the cold open. It's like Chevy Chase's pratfall.
0: Like <laughs> you know those two guys are not actually going to ever have a match, no, they're like, just going to get destroyed. Yeah. That's what they want you to think. And then like... <laughs> going to five shows down. down
2: the road they're going to open up and they have yeah. like a you know a four, a four and a s- half star match star yeah they're
1: going to they're going to tag together and all of a sudden we're going to they're going to we're going to be like oh my god i didn't know that they could uh, wrestle like the rock and roll yeah. or uh, <laughs> over the midnight stop <laughs> taking
2: a powerbomb every now and then and show us uh-huh. what you get yeah good show had some surprises in there i wasn't expecting to see conan show up like michael said the tag team match was great the Mysterio psychosis match was awesome. I wasn't expecting a Taz turn.
1: Yeah, I for I kind of forgot about him and Alfonso, but I've seen so much of it. Never in order, just in. Mm. Like I said, when I watched ECW, the most I was downloading stuff over a decade ago on the internet, and it'd be like from like forums where they're like, "Oh, here's a list of matches," and I like burn them on to like a dvd or cd and like watch them uh, at my friend's house so we'd just watch like matches that people thought were some of the best ones but totally out of context uh we were so you know that's how i've seen most of ecw so it's really nice to watch it build how Mm -hmm. it builds so seeing this turn i was like oh yeah He's had the whistle, but he has not abused the whistle like he's going to in yeah. the future to the point where you want to eat a bullet.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're making me look forward to watching these shows. No, I mean, like <laughs> it's it's
1: not that severe, but it's just like he blows that whistle. Yeah,
0: I really feel like this is a solid show. Uh, there's some missteps for certain, but the good makes up for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when the wrestling wasn't always top-notch in a lot of the matches, there's good character work being done.
1: Good character work, good angles. Yeah. Angles that we can follow. Even better than WCW, who has money. Which exactly. is crazy, because it's like, these guys are doing this on a shoestring budget. They were they, they, for free. Uh-huh. Yeah, they <laughs> used one of their broken, uh you know editing VCRs in the last match <laughs>
0: <laughs> good Where, where's the smart marks at alright fuck you I think it's time we smart it up so what is some of the best moments of this show
1: i said it I'll say it again the tag match between the pit bulls and the eliminators could be my favorite match on the show I really loved it because I love tag team wrestling and we don't see very good tag team wrestling regularly, I'd say in general, let alone right now in this
0: 1995 run. I'm going to say that that match does drag uh, just a little bit right in the middle of the match. Yeah. Before they kick into the high spots at the very end. Mm -hmm. That's the only issue, really. Yeah. But it, it is a good match. Yeah. But it does drag just just a spin. I don't
1: think it's a classic or anything. I just think that it like really surprised me. So I was very excited when I like it started. And then I was like, Oh, this is what they're doing. And I was like, Oh, no, they're, they're just doing Mm -hmm. a tag match. And then I was invested. So by the time they got to the middle part, I was invested enough for it not to drag because I was just excited. And I've been, high on the pitbulls for quite a while and they finally have somebody to do yeah what the pitbulls can do like with they can like the eliminators are not these established ecw like bloody guys that use like lots of chairs and stuff it's kind of like oh well here's the the Pitbulls, too. It's yeah. Like, here's Pitbull 3 and 4 yeah, like versus Pitbull 1 and 2. Demolition, yeah. Power of Pain, uh-huh. Demolition,
2: Road Warriors, whatever. Yeah, or you like, throw yeah, yeah where yeah. like Steiners.
1: Steiners versus Steiners. For, you know, I mean, obviously, they're not Steiners good, but I really wish that the Pitbulls uh, had a better career because I think that they have something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tag yeah, matches is yeah, great. The Ray.
0: The what? Jack's t-shirts. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Him just playing into it and then pulling the Bischoff face over his face. and and Psychosis. Ray and li- Psychosis is pretty incredible.
0: I liked Bubba Ray. Like, that was fun. No, yeah.
1: it was fun. It was just so weird that he just comes right out of the gate, like, completely over. And we just saw him for the first time. It's like
2: his character started exactly how it was TV. 15 years into it. Like here I am. Yeah. You're gonna like me. You're gonna hate me. Whatever. But here I am. I mean, it was good to see Austin in a match because again, Austin, I, I wasn't expecting. Doing job. I wasn't expecting Austin to wrestle in ECW because all this time I heard about him just doing
0: promo work. Yeah. The dance off. I like the dance off. It was funny. It I, was just. It was just fun. <laughs> it was a. Yeah. Momentary fun, especially with Joey Joey. Joey getting into it.
1: Yeah, like, woman starts to do a cabbage patch, like, gets embarrassed and stops. They do, like, a really. Both they think Scorpio and Rocco do, like, a shitty robot. It's like the bad robot. It's like they're trying to do the robot, but they both suck at it. It feels more calculated and less throw everything at the wall. You're still throwing a lot at the wall, but it seems like a little more thought through. So even if it's not the best matches, they're all most all of them are more meaningful. Even Hack Myers and Sabu, way better than I had any right to be. It helped that Sabu was coming back, but Sabu didn't squash him and he put over think, Hack Myers. I
0: think the reason the Sabu hack match is better than expected is because they didn't just do a whole bunch of spots. They actually had a match. Actually yeah, had some psychology to it a little bit. I mean, not a whole lot, but... about as
1: much as you can have with Sabu? Sabu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sabu with, without being reined in by, uh, like, RVD. How about
0: most disappointing?
1: If anything really bummed me out about this show.
2: I didn't really care all that much about the Stevie Richards El
0: Porto... I mean, that was Rucaño basically just meant uh, to introduce Boo Blue Man. Meanie. So yeah, I've never yeah. Been a Blue Meanie guy.
1: It was and, fun and quick. Uh, I... Do have a soft spot for the blue meanie just because I don't know why I don't, I don't really have I a right reason why. I don't the
2: purpose of the blue meanie, but yeah, he's just a goofball. To be
0: blue <laughs> and be a meanie—that's mm-hmm. his purpose.
1: And then like you know the yeah. the oddities and the BWO. I just have like a small soft spot for that as watching the Attitude Era like in that early South Park era and just eating it up with a spoon because I'm in like fifth sixth grade and just being like oh this goofy shit is funny i didn't i wasn't thinking about wrestling psychology i was watching the crash tv Mm -hmm. of it all uh because that's all i really knew about it but it was different than catching you know hulk hogan or Yokozuna on like saturday sunday morning like recap shows and stuff
2: kurgan that's the kurgan that's really my only most disappointing is the stevie Oh, do you
1: guys know that Axel Rotten and JT Smith had a match on this show? Nope, it's yeah, not available. I one. Yeah, I mean, we didn't need it. <laughs> that's for sure.
0: We we never need an Axel Rotten match. No. How about best performer of the night?
1: That's a tough one because everybody kind of brought it. I think Psychosis was a blast. Uh, I think Ray was a blast.
2: I'll throw Taz in there too, just because his Taz doing some His work. turn. His. Everything, him coming down there. We haven't heard a lot of Taz on the mic either, so it's
1: like, kind of feel it's fresh.
0: Yeah, yep. I'm gonna give it to Cactus.
1: I being like being a a, a heel, like in the place that loves him the most,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and doing it well. And like even people are like, they don't even say fuck you, Cactus. They're like, we hate the shirt, Cactus. Like, what are you even <laughs> doing? Like they're having fun with it, and you know he's having fun with it.
0: How about most surprising? It was the blue meaning for me because I didn't know when he when yeah, he joined. I or... would
1: say that, and then that Austin having a match yep. I didn't yep. think that was gonna. It's Austin
2: awesome for me because yeah, I I'm I'm today years old. That <laughs> I knew Austin. I, I knew actually Austin actually had a match in ECW. And
0: now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling, the dusty finish. Sting had defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and held the title for four months, when a new monster in Big Van Vader would arrive to challenge for the title at the Great American Bash on July 12, 1992. Vader had beaten down the Stinger a few months earlier, cracking a pair of ribs and rupturing his spleen after delivering a Vader bomb. During the match, both men would use power moves until Vader would control with a splash and a scorpion deathlock. Sting would fight back with a DDT and a German suplex, only for the ref to be knocked down. Stinger would hit a stinger splash, try for a second one, only for Vader to move, causing Sting to hit his head on the post, busting him open. A woozy Stinger would whiff on some punches so Vader would grab him and hit a powerbomb for the win to become the fourth WCW World Heavyweight Champion. A rematch was set for three weeks later, but a new arrival to WCW would cause a change that would lead to a history-making moment.
1: Anytime we do these things that we've watched, I want to go back and watch them, I'm like, I want White Castle of Fear. I remember the sting spot where he hits his head on over over the buck, onto the post, and gets busted open, and I'm maybe it's rose colored glasses, but I just get a twinkle in my eye where I'm like,
0: damn. Next week, Survivor Series nineteen ninety five.
2: Gobbledygooker. Ninety five no. Survivor Series. You know I'd love me
0: some Survivor Series. Hey, we're going Series. to
1: uh Landover, Maryland. Maryland. I don't. Know. We have mineral, basically huh?
0: DC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in Landover, but they basically say DC the entire show. Oh, do they? Do yeah. they make a
1: drink? Well, I guess that would be um, Florida. A drink called the Hanging Chad. That is my twenty-year-old reference.
0: Nope, but they <laughs> they bring they bring back the Bill Clinton impersonator. Oh.
2: Good grief I, mean, I guess it still is technically his presidency,
1: so yep, it makes sure sense. It is. But... I know. Ooh. You know what I think about a lot? Uh, how screwed over Monica Lewinsky was, and uh, how strong of a person she is Literally, for not killing herself. Yeah, like what a what a fucking strong woman.
0: Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss '65. Hey, it's back. Five, five, yeah, yeah. By White Zombie, and Terry Funk won our main event, so we play his theme music. Desperado by oh, the Eagles. What
1: is it? Why don't you something fences? Go, what is he? What is the lyric?
2: Don't worry about it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? He hates the Eagles. I mean, yeah. you've been feel, out riding fences for even, so long. Now. I don't
1: ha- oh, like. He. Cl- hates the Eagles. I know. I don't love I do. the Eagles, I but them. I don't hate them. But I feel like a lot of people hate the Eagles just because the Big Lebowski said it. No, I believe you. I believe and trust you but I'm saying other people I think a lot of other people Just say that
2: and I say it like Big Lowski Every now and then all but people are wrong.
1: I don't hate them I, There's a lot of songs I don't love I think In the City Might be my favorite Eagles song But I also prefer Joe Walsh To any of the other Eagles So that makes sense But you know I don't I like, like Desperado And I don't love Hotel California I like a lot of
2: their Individual stuff
1: Yeah But, but just I don't care
2: Yeah Yeah like Maybe I said, it's just I like because Joe... I had to listen to him too much growing up. I was yeah. like, fuck this. I'm. Well.
1: I like the Joe Walsh songs. I like the ones that are a little bit more rock, and I think In the City, is a great fucking
0: song. If you like this episode or any of our other, other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at.
1: No stars or sixty-five-five-five. Five, <laughs> five, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it was right on the notes. I saw the the sixty-five. We were talking about it earlier off my
0: if you have any questions comments concerns
2: recipes we're going to maryland so give me some ideas i've i've had a crab cakes from there already but mm-hmm.
1: i don't remember what else it's shell. i don't think else. we should be eating soft shell crab from oklahoma mm-hmm. but soft shell crab sandwiches is, is a maryland thing i'm pretty sure uh-huh. i can see it but i don't know if i trust soft shell crabs
0: <laughs> rococo wouldn't let me it's- down Everyone always has this, like, thing about seafood and the landlocked... state, and like, everything know. gets shipped yeah. in ice, like, i I eat plenty of it seafood. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, yeah. I, know,
2: so. I think it's just the soft-shell crab that freaks me out. If you can eat long-john silvers, you can eat soft-shell crab in Oklahoma.
1: <sighs> I can eat long-john silvers once every about five years. don't hey, no want to eat long-john silvers. <laughs> hey, long-john silvers, where everything tastes the same. Yeah. Especially
2: when you drown it in malt vinegar. <laughs>
0: If you have any of those things, you can email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide into them DMs later. Go chasing fences.
2: And fuck you, Terry Funk, for making me have to listen to this damn song.